It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black White podcast with me, Aaron Stokes, and I'm joined as usual for the preview show with John Gibson. We've got absolutely loads to talk about. Uh, ahead of the big game against Bournemouth this weekend. We'll also look back on that fantastic win against Nottingham Forest, which, Gibbo, I'm sure you'll agree with me, we weren't really expecting on Saturday. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, your nerves are shredded, aren't they? For an hour and a half, you've bitten your nails right down to your uh, elbows. And um, crazy, crazy time. I mean, you know, I look back on the, the entertainers and... That was pretty straightforward in comparison uh, to, to the sort of yo-yo existence where we're leading now. But because we drew 4-4 with Luton, you know, we'd said prior to these three games, we must get a minimum of seven points from, from the next nine, starting with Luton. Of course, when you only get one with Luton, it meant we had to win at, uh, at Forest, and thankfully we did. But equally, we've now got to beat um, we've got to beat Bournemouth. There's no ifs or buts about it. But um, there was it's like everything, uh, Aaron. When we look at it, there's a lot you can put ticks against with with Forest, Bruno, the fact that we've now got the best attacking centre half since Philip Albain, Fabian Scher, I think <laughs> it's quite incredible. He does more good work in their penalty area than ours. Um, but then you can look at the other side of it and say the midfield's not quite fall. It was shuffled around. It's not as balanced as we would like it to be. In the back four, at times, is absolutely chronic. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely questions to be asked about that back four, despite the fact that Castle are starting to pick up some points again. But we'll go into that a little bit later in the show. Johnny, just you just mentioned something there. And it wasn't written down on my list of questions, but... You've just sort of sparked something in me there. And you mentioned the entertainers. Now, in the last couple of days, I've seen a lot of references to this Newcastle team being like the entertainers in terms of they're scoring a lot of goals, but they're also conceding. Um, is that a little bit of a lazy sort of comparison? I, I, I think it is a lazy comparison. It's an obvious comparison to make. Uh, it's 
made by a lot of people that perhaps weren't around in the days of the entertainers. You just know of the entertainers. And it's very easy to say, well, these are the new entertainers or they're the same as the entertainers. But while we had those incredible seesaw matches like the, the four threes at against Liverpool at Anfield, the the entertainers actually could defend, you know. They didn't let in as many goals as people think they did and as this lot are doing. If you actually look at their record in the record books, the goals against column is not bad. And there's this, because of the high-profile games, the, the successive seasons of 4-3 against Liverpool at Anfield and the famous photograph of Kevin Keegan slumped over the hoardings as the fourth goal went in, Every, and the fact that we had attacking centre-halves like Philip Albert, everybody's run away with the idea that the entertainers were ludicrously gung-ho. If you look at the goals against record, it is not bad. It is certainly better than than um, these people's uh, goals against. And it's early anyway, to be truthful, to compare Newcastle United currently with a side to finish two successive seasons runners up in the in the Premier League, which is what the entertainers did. I mean, to be brutal, these lots should be so lucky as to become the entertainers. <laughs> we want them to go one step beyond that, of course, and win something which the entertainers didn't do. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Because two successive runners up in the Premier League is our best finishes since 1927. But we still associate with the entertainers. They're these wonderful off-the-cuff footballers who never ended up actually winning something. But they still were our best side on paper since 1927. Yeah, but I think, like like you say, when I was reading these headlines, not from the, the Chronicle, I must say, that, you know, they're being linked to the entertainers. Yeah. I did think it was just a little bit of... You know, are you just putting two and two together, getting five, just because they're scoring a lot of goals, which they are, you know, to give them credit. Obviously, we've got three past Forest, four past Luton, um, two at City, three at Villa. And just because they're shipping goals, as you say, I think there's still a little bit of way to go. I love what Eddie Howe's done at the club. I think we all agree, but they're not quite at the level of the mid-90s yet. No, they're not. No, they're not. I mean, you, the, the entertainers weren't finishing seventh and worried about you know, Mavis falling to eighth or ninth, they were finishing second, or before they finished second, they finished third. So, you know, they were high. They they could become the entertainers in a couple of seasons' time, but it's also there is this misapprehension that the entertainers either won or lost 4-3 every week. Uh, and, and it wasn't really like that. The famous occasions stick in the mind, don't they? Kevin Keegan slumped over the boards as the fourth goal went in, etc. So, but it wasn't quite like that. But um, yeah, you can see where the comparison uh, comes from, to be truthful. But um, I must admit, when I was watching the entertain, I was I was pretty, I was much more uh, less concerned, shall I say, before the kickoff. I expected Newcastle to win. At the moment, I'm not quite certain if we're going to win or not. Uh, and you know. To the neutrals, we will be the entertainers because to the neutrals, they just watch Newcastle and you see a pile of goals. I mean, we must we must be well-liked by people across the country, but, um, you know, there's things that we need doing 
to this side to make us that much better. Um, but, hey, it, at least we're at the right end of the table battling and not where we were for a decade and a half, which was down the other end of the table. Yeah, give them a couple more seasons, they might have reached that level. I'm glad we've got yes. you here, John, to give everybody a history lesson uh, on some of the, <laughs> the better times in Newcastle. Um, going back to the present day then, and, and obviously I think the main thing we need to talk about after the, the last couple of days is Bruno. Um, what a performance he put in at the City Ground on Saturday. He really carried that team to the win. Two fantastic goals. Um, and I appreciate that I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but given the the amount of midfielders you've seen play for Newcastle, where does he rank in terms of the best you've seen? Because for me, I think we all knew of, of his talent pretty soon after he arrived. You know, we've heard about the links to, to other clubs, the release clause that he's got. And I personally think we've seen the best of him in recent weeks. I think that win at Fulham, he was fantastic. I think the winner, uh, sorry, the draw at Luton, he was fantastic. And I think again on, on Saturday, it was just another really, really good performance from him. I mean, he's a superb player. There's no question. Newcastle in their history have had some magnificent midfielders. When you think of uh, Paul Gascoigne in the the era in the seventies that Joe Harvey had with uh, with Hibby and Cassidy and Tommy Craig, uh, Tony Green, only fleetingly, but what a player he was. Beardsley, what was Beardsley? Was he a striker or a midfielder or he was a bit of everything? If you put him in the mix, now we are talking about top of the range. Um, but yes, Newcastle have had some great ones, but this guy absolutely stands out. They To get the best of Bruno, Aaron, as far as I'm concerned, you've got to do what, he, what they did on Sunday. You've got to take the blinkers off him, you've got to take the shackles off him, and you've got to say, go and play as a number eight or number ten. Uh, you haven't got to say to him, be a number six, because he's good enough to do every job. I mean, talent-wise, he'd be good enough to play in goal, but he can do any job. But is he disciplined enough? Does he want to play a defensive six? I don't think he wants to. Because he and and I'm not certain because he doesn't want to that he's got the discipline to do it. He's got the tools to do it, but he doesn't want to just sit, sit, sit. He doesn't want to just sit, win the ball and give it five yards to somebody to go off and play. He wants to play himself. And putting him in that much more forward role meant dropping Lewis Miley back a little bit and telling um, telling uh, Longstaff that he's he's job is slightly different but I think you've got to play to players strengths and if we are going to get the best out of Bruno you've got to let him go forward go forward the balance still wasn't right in the midfield but that wasn't Bruno's fault I mean the balance would have been awfully lot worse had Bruno not done the job he did I mean he dragged us over the line you've got to play him in that advanced role uh, I feel to get the very very best out of him and then find what you can make and what the other players can make it is tough on a 17 year old to play the number six role all the time when that's not his game because has he got the discipline all the time to stop people running off his shoulders, etc., etc.? It is very, very hard for a 17-year-old that hasn't been brought up to be defence-minded. Yes, he's got the capabilities, but has he got the experience? Is it his natural role? But we've got to make and match at the moment. I mean, 
what we're seeing in my humble opinion at the moment the good bad and the indifferent we're seeing what newcastle united have got to do in the summer because they've got to get a six they haven't got one on the books and the back door if the bond will remain open until they get somebody in there and by the way please sign the number nine I mean, I can't take the wait Monday to Friday in the hope that either Wilson or Isaac will make it, and probably neither will this week. I mean, you know, it's criminal to be in that position. It is really a neglect of duty to be in that position. I mean, we've, we've needed this number six and a number nine for Yonks. Please put us all out of misery and sign those two positions in the summer. Please. Well, we've got about four months to wait to see if Eddie Howe's going to actually do anything. I mean, he's said in the past he doesn't feel the need to sign a six. I think anybody who's listened to this podcast in the last year or so knows that we've pretty much all advocated at one point or another. Um, you've actually just perfectly segued into the next question that I've got for you, John, and that is about the position change of Bruno. And Eddie Howe's obviously you know, hamstrung. He's, he's got his hands tied as to what he can actually do with that midfield at the minute. There's only three of them fit and, and they've been, you know, the only players really in that middle, in the middle of the park for the last month or so. Bruno obviously looks so much better in that role um, as a number eight further forward. I'm guessing I already know the answer, but do you go with that again against Bournemouth? Bearing in mind that Lewis Miley actually played in the six against Bournemouth in November and looked a little bit out of his depth. We obviously saw Bruno drop back into there in the second half on Saturday. I'm guessing that's what you think going forward, the best way to play the three is until Willick and Anderson are back. Yeah, I mean, you didn't mention Joe Linton. He's the biggest miss of the lot for me. Well, I was just thinking, he's obviously out until May, June. Yes, he is. Anderson back he is, he is a massive miss, I mean, uh, Joe, Big Joe. You get Big Joe alongside uh, Bruno and Ian Coogan. You can make the, the third midfield player anybody you want after that and we'll be okay. Um, but yes, we've got to beat both. Bournemouth or Bournemouth. They're not Manchester City. They're not Arsenal. They're, they're, they're Bournemouth. And if you're going to get into Europe, and I'm talking about getting into Europe, you know, it's not the Champions League because I think that's a step too far. We don't make the Champions League, but we can make Europe. If we want to get into Europe... Then you've got to beat the likes of Bournemouth. It's incredible that the, the, the last three sides will have played Luton, Forest, and Bournemouth have all beaten Newcastle this season. You can't have that. And you certainly can't have them beating them twice. So if we've got to beat Bournemouth, and maybe without the centre forward, good God, we need Bruno getting into their penalty area. A lot will then depend on um, Gordon and who else plays wide, but it also depends on our attacking midfielder getting in and trying to finish. So you've got to make do with Bruno up there. You've got twice a player because you're taking a lot of the frustration out of Bruno when you're allowing him to attack. He gets frustrated and runs the risk of getting a booking when he plays further back, a greater risk. There'll always be a risk of getting a booking with Bruno because that's the way he plays, with his heart on his sleeve. At any given time, he, he can be a walking yellow card. But you've got to get him going forward against uh, Bournemouth and hope that um, that Miley can do the job of a six. Or, you know, you start experimenting and is this the time, you know, putting Shaw in to play to play as a six and, and putting Lascelles in at the back. Do you mix with the back? The back as well, you know, Aaron. That's a problem. 
And it's almost an unsolvable problem at the moment. Because you know what concerns me, and you can't and you can't coach this into a player. It there's a lack of pace right across the back. We we, we get done on the counter on pace. I'm not thinking so much of Trippier on the right, but the two centre halves and Bernard left back. There's a chronic lack of pace. And yes, down at Forest. Um, famously, Dan Byrne got took by Elanga a, a couple of times and it was almost embarrassing to watch. But also, on, on the goal, if you noticed, uh, Botman was running back with Byrne and they both were running through Trigil. And, you know, we have a lack of pace and you can't coach pace into a side, so into a player. So what do we do about it? Um, it is a difficult one, but we, we do suffer from a lack of pace at the back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, definitely. And I think it doesn't help, obviously, you know, we've mentioned Dan Byrne not getting any younger. Fabian Cher have a similar age range in the early 30s. And obviously Trippier, for how fantastic he is, he isn't blessed with that pace that somebody like Kyle Walker has. Um, going on to the defence then, John, I think, again, Eddie Howe is very limited in what he can actually do on Saturday against Bournemouth. Oh. There's maybe question marks as to what he was going to do Saturday, given so much of the build-up last week was dominated by... Dan Byrne or Tino Livramento. Eddie Howe has done nothing but support Dan Byrne in public and in private. He's backed him and championed him at every corner. And I must say, you know, there's no denying that Anthony Alanga did get past him a few times and the goal was one of those times. But I actually thought, and I said this on the podcast we did earlier in the week, I actually thought Dan Byrne had a relatively solid game after that. There was a couple of early flashes where he got done, but I think he came into the game as confident will no doubt have been a little bit shook after the last few weeks. Um, I remember us two sat a couple of weeks ago in St. James's Park after that 4-4 draw. Both yeah. very, very deflated after what we'd obviously witnessed and how Dan Byrne was you know, maybe a little bit at fault for that. What did you make of Saturday? And do you think that it's just, you know, there's no point us even discussing what Howe does because it will be that back four in Dubravka again this well, weekend? It's a certainty. It's an absolute given certainty. It doesn't mean that uh, there isn't a discussion to be had, but we know what the answer is going to be from the boss, which is the only thing that matters. I mean, in defence of Dan Byrne, and that's a peculiar word to use with Dan at the moment, defence, because we've just been talking about the bond door swinging on its hinges. Um, but in defence of him, what he has is great determination, great character, and he fought terrifically hard in the second half down at Forest. And luckily, 
that luckily from my point of view, from Geordie's point of view, the uh, Forrest didn't put Alanga isolated against him during the second half. Why on earth they didn't try to do that more? I don't know. What a trick that was to miss. You, you know, they, they should have isolated their quick winger against our fullback. They didn't. And once you don't do that, once you take the lack of pace out of the equation, then the courage, the determination, the experience, little bit of nouts, nouse about where he places himself not to get exposed, he will do a decent job. I was just staggered that we picked him to play left back against Luton and against Forrest, where both times the outside right was so quick that mm -hmm. it was untrue. They were like Usain Bolt. So, you know, horses for courses, and, and Eddie often says, I don't pick a team just on form, I pick a team for who we're playing. Well, if that was true, you don't pick Burn to play against those two particular wingers. And um, I'm not certain that Bournemouth have a winger as quick as that. Um, but, I mean, yes, he will play. I mean, I would have played Lefamenko in those two games. He's going to be a super player. But, by the way, he's not a left-back, but he can play there. He's a right-back and he's going to come in there. But, uh, yeah, we've got a lack of pace. And, you know, if we're going to talk about Dan Burns lack of pace and I've talked about it an awful lot because it does expose us he's not the only one in the back four with a lack of pace you know and that worries me for all of the pluses Botman's got for all the potential Botman's got he is not blessed by pace and and I know the obvious answer is that Bobby Moore become a World Cup winning skipper uh, but and he was at two gears slow and dead slow but he, he was clever upstairs and he, he didn't let himself get overexposed. And so you can't, Bob Moncur wasn't the quickest bloke you've ever seen, uh, but again, he was clever. Um, so you can't get away with a lack of pace. But I mean, if we're going to talk about Burns' lack of pace, you've got to say Buckman hasn't got it. You've got to say uh, Shaw hasn't got it. And, you know, Trippier is not Usain Bull. So there is a lack of pace right across the back. Uh, and that's a problem that's not going to be solved, really, because is it going to be solved in the summer? Are we going to buy pace into the back? Well, if we buy a six and if we buy a centre forward, etc., etc., how many more are we going to be allowed to buy um, before we're told that FFPs put the brakes on us again? But um, yeah, there, there's things to be there's things to be put right. But as far as Saturday is concerned, the back four in the middle three pick themselves. All you can do with the middle three is juggle them around as to who plays in what position, who's the one going forward and who's the one sitting. Um, the, the only wiggle room, and that's if, as long as you've got a centre forward, is always up front, isn't it? And out wide, the only changes you can ever see is in the front three. Yeah, we're going to have to keep our fingers crossed that Callum Wilson's uh, injury isn't too bad. Ease that we know is, is probably close to returning um and obviously anthony gordon's made a miraculous uh, miraculous recovery on saturday to mm -hmm. go from crutches to starting in about a week um so yeah as you say i think i agree the only the only real point of contention on saturday is who starts across the front three um just talking about saturday then obviously you alluded to it earlier in the show newcastle at the back end of last year lost to bournemouth 2-0 down at their place they lost to luton 1-0 and they also got turned over by Forrest 3-1 on Boxing Day. They then went and got a point at Luton. Uh, should really have won the game. They've went and beaten Forrest and they've got Bournemouth this weekend. 
what should Newcastle be expecting then? Because we obviously saw in the reverse fixture, Bournemouth at home were on the front foot, really made Newcastle pay because they didn't give them a moment's notice. It was another game where, funnily enough, Newcastle actually had to start Anthony Gordon through the middle uh, because Isaac and Wilson were both injured. Is it one of those games that we're looking at, like Luton, where you think it's Bournemouth at home? Yes, they might be on a little bit of form, but you've got to be beating these teams if you've got any hope. Oh, of the there's, no, there's no question about that, Evan. You, you, you know, you, it's it's no good. We have beaten this season Manchester United. We've beaten Arsenal, etc., etc. Et it's no good beating them if you then get turned over by the teams at the bottom because you're just then slightly above mid-table side. You've got to beat Bournemouth. And I mean... It's amazing, you know, Eddie Howe has never beaten Bournemouth with Newcastle in the Premier League. They've played three times and two draws and a defeat. So he, he owes them one. Yes, we beat them in the League Cup at ours, but in the Premier League, no. Um, but, I mean, Solanke, top, top striker, uh, accusation until recently that he didn't score enough goals, and that, I think, was fair. Uh, but he's starting to score them now. Good player, signed by Eddie Howe from Liverpool, so he knows what he's all about. But let's be truthful, Bournemouth aren't in good form. Bournemouth haven't won in the last five league games. Uh, you know, in facts are facts, so they've got to come up here. Whether we've got a centre-forward or not, they've got to get the bum smacked. There's no question about that. Whether we've got a centre-forward, whether Miley plays and Bruno plays, and if we have a lack of pace at the back... All that goes out the window. We beat Bournemouth because we've got 14 games left. We're seventh in the table. Now, the interesting thing uh, about being seven, and we could qualify for Europe from seven, depending on who wins the domestic cups. For example, we want Liverpool to win the League Cup because they're already going to go into Champions League. So that position is freed up, helps us. And we want to win the FA Cup or we want one of the top teams to win the FA Cup who are going to go into the Champions League. So that position becomes freedom. But you look at the league table. If we beat Bournemouth, sorry, when we beat Bournemouth, we don't jump up a place because there's a five-point gap to Man United now. Them haven't won the other night. We don't jump up a place. But if we lost, we lose a place because right on our tails are the like of West Ham and uh, Brighton, uh, Chelsea now on our tails, Chelsea on our tails. So, you know, we can only lose ground. We can't get any higher with the immediate result. But we've got 14 games left. And you look at the, those 14 fixtures, Alan, and we have a chance if we can only find consistency. And I know that's difficult because it's we've never found it all season. But if, you, if we find consistency, we only play three teams in the top six for the rest of the season, out of 14. We'll play Spurs up here, the only top six team to have to come up here, and we'll play Arsenal and Manchester United away. So there's three tough games. The other 11 are against teams beneath us at the moment. So you have a real, if you can get consistency... And that's like asking for the moon, isn't it, really, at the moment, the way we ship goals and score goals and, you know, consistency's gone missing. Um, but if we can get some sort of consistency, we can get in to um, Europe via the coattails of everybody else. Or, and this is my preferred route, 
we win the FA Cup and we qualify for Europe automatically. So we'll win two things if we win the FA Cup. We've got our first pot in 55 years and we've got our passports. So, you know, we've only got to beat Blackburn. And and, and by the way, they're worse from a championship side than Sunderland, who we strolled against, and we're in the quarterfinals. So how about winning the FA Cup and get and guaranteeing you that way as well? See, you're saying we're gonna when we beat Bournemouth, we're gonna win the FA Cup. John, I love that. I love the optimism. That's well, we are yeah. gonna beat Bournemouth and we are gonna beat Blackburn. That's first that's the first two starters. Um yes, we could do with a centre forward to help us and um how often, you know, you used a little phrase there, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Callum Wilson and hope he's fit. I mean, have you got that on a little button that you just press in every preview, every match preview? Because it, it seems like it's, it's always that way. When is it different? I mean, bless him, he's a good player. But uh, I'm sorry, it, it cannot go on beyond this season. It cannot go on beyond this season where Callum... Lovely man with a lovely attitude and real ability, but he holds us in his hand in the palm of his hand every week in blind panic about whether we'll have a centre forward or not. A club this size can't live like that. We've got to put that right in the sun. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you, that you mentioned that because, as you say, it's been a really, really tough season for Wilson in terms of injuries. And I was writing a piece yesterday and I stumbled across some really interesting statistics about Wilson and Isaac. Now, out of 24 Premier League match days this year, there's been 11 times only where Isaac and Wilson have both been fit together. They only were both fit for three of the six Champions League games and they've never been fit both together at the same time for any of the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup games this season. There's always been at least one of them out. Now, I think a lot of people are now sharing your thoughts about it and I think Callum Wilson's been a fantastic servant, but I think... The tide is maybe starting to turn on whether fans would like to see him go. Um, and I think this season, I mean, he, there was suitors for him in January and he thought maybe he would be one of those to leave in the winter market. He didn't obviously end up going. But I think the consensus now is that he might just be coming to his, you know, an end. Well, because, because this injury situation, Aaron, is not going to get any better. It is age with the bad injuries he had before he come to Newcastle. You know, the, the bad knee injuries that he had. He is not going to get any fitter. He is not going to, at any stage of his future career, give you 38 games a season. There's absolutely no chance of that. So you can't keep going on a wing and a prayer. And if we have got to sacrifice senior players because of PP, uh, FFP uh, each year, each season, you know, we've got to unload somebody like we did with Maxi, then I, I don't want it to be Bruno or Big Joe. I would rather it be Wilson and Almeida. That, that we, if we've got to sacrifice somebody and we're told regularly that we've we're going to have to do that regularly. Now, I know that, that obviously Bruno would bring in a lot more money and so would Joe Linden than Almira or Wilson would do. But if we're looking to, to build our side, you want to, if at all possible, keep Bruno in big jaw. And if you've got to sacrifice a senior player after that, then let it be Almira or Wilson come this summer. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, I think Isaac's potentially 
a top, top, top star. And he's a young man. He has got injury problems, but not as bad as, as, as uh, the other fella. Uh, but he's a top, top, top striker. And if you're going to keep one of the two, and you are, because they're, they're pretty difficult to buy centre-forwards that score goals. They're, they're pretty dear. Um, the one that you let go is Wilson. And you keep Isaac and you buy a, a centre-forward. That is vital to us. We can't go another season without a centre-forward. And we can't go another season without trying to close the door in the midfield. Because that is still like the A1, isn't it? Like people running up the A1. Like, you know, it's a cavalry charge through the centre of the park. Um, you know, if you're going to make progress, I know Eddie says I don't need a six. And it, of course he says I don't need a six because he's got to put some faith in the blokes trying to play a six now. But I'm not so... I, I don't think in the summer he'll be going to the board and say, don't bother getting me number six. I don't want one. I think he'll be going to, to the board with a pop gun and pointing it at them and saying, if you don't get me a six and a nine, this is going to be in your direction. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So if you if you were in that boardroom, John, and you had the, a little bit of a say as to who the get, and me and Andrew have had this debate a load of times in the last six months, um... What type of striker do they go out and get? Because as you say, they've got a potentially top, top, top player in Alexander Isak. Do yes. they bring someone in who knows that they're going to be maybe an, underst an understudy to him who can no. sort of learn off them? Or do you think they, they go and get someone of that quality? You, you've got, you can't rely on Isak uh, fitness-wise. Uh, the only reason he gets away with it is because Wilson's even more prone to injury. But Isaac can also play wide left if you, if the centre forward uh, uh, is a top top player, or you can play in a two as old fashioned as that is. But there are a few sides, and Luton's one of them, for example, that still play with two strikers. Um, no, you, you've got you don't buy an understudy; you buy a centre forward that's good enough to play in a top five team. And then you say to Isaac and him, "It's up to you, lads. Now mm. you get it sorted." But you don't buy, you know, when you were buying a third striker, like the young lad that we that went to Paris Saint-Germain when we didn't get him, um, if you're buying somebody to be a third striker, he's got to be young, he's got to be 19, and he's got to be willing to sit there. Mm -hmm. But now you can sell by, you can sell the idea of coming to Newcastle because the centre-forward you're talking to looks at Wilson's fitness record, looks at Isaac's fitness record and thinks, I can get in here easy enough. Um, so you buy a proper, proper top of the range centre forward to, that's got the potential to play every game. You don't 
buy and understudy diesel. And one man we're going to see on Saturday who has been linked quite heavily with Newcastle, as you mentioned earlier, how signed in for Bournemouth. Is, is Dominic Solanke the man to maybe come in and challenge you, He could well be. Um, he could well be. He suffered from what everybody suffers from at times, accusations that you don't score enough goals. Uh, and certainly that appeared so. But at Brighton in previous years, you know, you're not going to score a barrel load of goals because they're not that good for you to, to score a barrel load of goals. Um, and it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, look at Liverpool. What, what a wonderful side and what a wonderful buying record and they've got. They've got Nunes, and everybody says if he could score goals, he'd be a sensational centre-forward. Well, that's what a centre-forward's supposed to do, uh, is score goals. I mean, sometimes he can't hit a bond or three paces. If he could, mind you, when he came up here as a substitute and come on against us, he hit the bond door twice in, in six minutes to turn a 1-0 to a 2-1. But uh, the, Solanke could well be the sort of player that would do a terrific job. And he's the sort of player that if we had the money, Eddie would go for because he's already proved he loves him. He's, he, he, he can trust him and he knows he plays in the Eddie Howe way. So he, he ticks an awful lot of boxes as far as uh, Eddie's concerned. Yeah, I think I think the when the, the rumours about Solanke came out in January and Opinions seem to be a little bit split. For me, I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. I know he had uh, struggles at, at Liverpool and Chelsea early in his career, but I think he's really blossoming into a, into a very, very good striker who might just have the best years ahead of him. Hopefully, he doesn't have a good uh, game on Saturday. John, John, we've touched on the on the Premier League table and what Newcastle can and can't do this weekend. Obviously, as you say, they're five points behind Manchester United, who sit in sixth. Uh, West Ham, Brighton and Chelsea, all within two points of them as well. Um, you mentioned before Europe, not the Champions League. I think you know, unless that fifth spot does go to England, the Champions League is is off the cards. But what what is your ambition and what's your prediction for the rest of the season? Do they have to finish in the top seven in a good cup run, or it's been a it's been a disappointment of a season? My ambition, as opposed to what I expect, you can't. You, you, I don't want a good cup run. I want to win the cup. No good having a good cup run and, and, and getting beaten in the semi-final or going to Wembley and, and never getting out the blocks and losing 3-0. That's as much use as a glass eye. We, we've, got to, we've got to either win the cup or finish in the top seven and get into Europe. Um, if we do neither, and by the way, I'm not underestimating the cup. You've still got Man City and Liverpool it's somewhere along the line. So it's difficult, but it's not impossible. I remember a cup final not that many years ago, Aaron, where Wigan beat Manchester City in the final. So nothing's impossible, as they say, in this world. Um, but, you know, and yes, we've had three away draws, which isn't kind in the FA Cup this year, but Blackburn's a good draw, you know. Blackburn is a good draw for the for at this stage of the FA Cup. So my ambition is to not have a good cup win, but to go and try to win the cup and to finish in the top seven. Now, if you then say, do I expect to win the cup? That is a different kettle of fish because somehow we've got to take care of Manchester City or Liverpool or somebody else has on our behalf to take care of them. So it is far, far, far from easy. 
But at some stage, if we're going to win a pot after 55 years, we're going to have to do the toughies. And, you know, we beat Man City in the League Cup, etc., uh, etc. Et so, you know, results can be had. We've got to beat Blackburn and then get a home draw in the sixth round and take it from there. As far as the league's concerned, when you look at the games, and I reiterate, 14 games, three of them are against top six sides. The rest are not. So any consistency, you can almost say it's in our own hands. If you think that, you know, the cut-off point for Europe is not going to be fifth, but it could well be seventh where we are now if the right side's win the other two cups and we've got to want Liverpool to win the League Cup without a shadow of doubt um, so there's still a lot to play for and what I don't want is the season to end Aaron, in an anti-climax like mm. we don't make Europe and we don't win the FA Cup and we finish about 8th and we say oh dear me you know that's we went four steps forward last season and we've just gone two steps back um, it's possible, it's realistically uh, on the cards, but so is Europe and, and, and so is the FA Cup. Now, it's up to Newcastle. Which ones do you want, boys? Do you want to get into Europe or do you want to win the FA Cup? Or shall we just settle for being nice and comfy where we are and just say, ah, well, the season was tough, but it was bound to be because we had a lot of injuries? Yeah, absolutely. And I think. You know, you go back to the middle of December when they crashed out of two competitions in a matter of days. Their league form was absolutely terrible and you thought, OK, the season looked like a complete write-off. They've obviously then put together a good set of runs, got through the FA Cup, got themselves back into the hunt with Europe at some some stage, you know, maybe not Champions League, but they're going to hopefully get in one of the lesser competitions, which I'm absolutely fine with. As you say, you don't then want the season to end on a real downer and think, well, you know what, that little glimmer of hope that we had over January, February just came to nothing. Um, so hopefully, as you say, 14 games left and they can start with a win on Saturday. We'll end, John, with your prediction. And you've already half given it because you're fully expecting a win. Yeah. But what we're going to see, is it is it going to be a Callum Wilson fit the start and scoring, Dan Byrne getting a goal? What are we going to see when Newcastle beat Bournemouth on Saturday? I can see us flying into Fantasy Island there and landing and the little lad in his white suit getting us off the plane like it was on telly in the days gone by. Um, whether it's easy or whether we make it tough will depend on team selection. Will de And I'm talking about up top, playing without the centre-forward. We know what the back four and the middle three is going to be. Will we have to play without the centre-forward? Gordon in there. And I think that holds you back two ways, Owen, because he's not a centre, he's not a goal-scoring centre forward. He can do the job as a false nine, but he's not a goal-scoring centre forward. So obviously that's a notch down from what we want with Wilson and with Isaac. But we also lose our best winger playing as a winger. We lose our best winger when when Gordon plays centre forward, um, so it can be a tough ride. But whether you know what. I think we'll win, and I'll leave it at that, because if we win, I'll go home happy. Whether mm. it's been tough or whether it's been a stroll in the park, it's the same three points at the end of the day. So I'll settle for a win. Win it whichever way you want, guys. I'll be quite happy, but win it. 
I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I think they'll get the job done. I think they'll have learned the lessons from November when they played last time. I think they've started to put together a little run. And yes, they're conceding goals and there's problems to iron out with the defence. But I think they'll get over the line. Hopefully, John, next time I see you, which will be Saturday, we'll be a lot happier than we were when we were walking out of St James's Park after Luton. And I think if the lads are listening to this, they'll be inspired by that confidence you've just shown for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> fingers crossed anyway thank you very much for, for watching if you're watching on YouTube or listening on your podcast provider um, we'll have the uh, view from the opposition on Friday before the game as well as uh, a match review podcast with Lee Ryder uh, over the weekend as well thank you very much for joining us uh, and we'll speak to you very very soon <laughs>